0: The way storytelling affects other people's lives is if they incorporate the learning from the story. If you teach that process through storytelling, then people will think about it so that they can apply that to their life.
1: Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Authors' Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Authors' Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about.
2: Hello, and welcome to The Author's Corner. I'm your host, Robin Colucci. And today our subject is how to change lives through storytelling. And our guest, who is going to talk with us about this, is Dennis Galloway. Now, Dennis has been writing intriguing and exciting stories since the age of eight. He grew up with an active and vivid imagination. And he has lived and traveled the world, experiencing many cultures. And he has honed all of these experiences into creating exciting fiction for children and adults, as well as documentaries, videos, and a wide range of other media experiences. He's the author of the immersive number 1 best-selling fantasy and adventure fiction novel The Pen Sultan's Wisdom. And Dennis feels inspired to help people realize how their choices create their future, good or bad. And he believes that if people knew that they have the power within to make a difference, it would change their lives for the better. And I really loved doing this interview with Dennis because he actually told me a story that i believe changed my life and i told him a story too that perhaps makes a difference for him or maybe somebody somebody who listens and so i think that this interview is particularly fun when one of the things that I found particularly fun about this interview was that we weren't just talking about changing lives through storytelling, but I actually got to experience Dennis Chain tell a life-changing and inspiring story that truly moved me. And I hope that it moves you too. So enjoy. Dennis, welcome to the Author's Corner. Hey, thank you. I'm really happy and excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited to have you here because what you're going to talk with us today about is something that I think is so vitally important, is how we can use telling stories to change our lives, the lives of others, and there's so many things I could even say about it, but I want to hear from you because I have this rare opportunity. I know it's in my brain. So, um, yeah. So maybe before we get into the core topic, I know you've written several novels. Share with us a little bit about your work. Like, How did you decide to get into writing fiction? Well, one thing I always had since I was very young
0: was an active imagination. In fact, my active imagination <laughs> got me in trouble a lot of times because I'd be going at school and I daydream thinking about stuff and i would Dennis, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. What was the question? <laughs> um, yeah. So it was always something I've always had and I had to learn how to discipline it so that I could pursue careers and go through college and all the stuff that life makes you go through. So. Though so it's something that I've always tended to do. And my writing, uh, initially, in my career it was a lot of technical writing. Mm-hmm. And then I went to start creating uh, DIY things like cookbooks and stuff like that. And I thought, wait a minute, one of the most happiest things for me to do is let my imagination go wild. Let me try out some ideas I had. So I did. And I really enjoyed the process. And so I thought, you know, this can be entertaining, but I can also pass on some knowledge that I have picked up along the way and weave it into the story. So not only do people enjoy the entertainment of the story, they pick something up, maybe that'll help them out. In fact, what's interesting is in my book, The Pen, Sultan's Wisdom, one of the readers came up to me and said, you know what, I enjoyed your book, but I also learned something from it. And I applied it to my life. And you know what? It works. So I said, yes, my objective (laughs) accomplished something. And so uh, when you have a reader come and really, you know, not only appreciate your
2: book, but learn something or got a takeaway from it, that is really cool. It's like having the role more of a shaman, right? Like how telling stories to convey wisdom. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just carrying on the ancient tradition of a storyteller, but it
0: happens to be in writing. I also made audios out of the books. So, oh, great. People can listen to
2: it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that I really notice about storytelling in terms of a teaching tool is that people remember stories, mm. not so much data.
0: Yeah. That's right. If I can create a vision
2: in their head, a movie in their head,
0: Hmm. even get them involved in the movie, like they're actually there. It creates such more connection of storage in your memory. And you can refer it to a quicker. Oh yeah. I remember that time the guy had his feet on the sand or I remember that time he was swimming away from the crocodiles. I mean, it brings back those connections because it's a visual
2: thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's painting pictures and not just, giving facts and figures. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, it really does make such a big difference. So, all right. Now, so tell me about, one of the things you shared with us before the interview is you believe that if people knew that they have the power within to make a difference, Mm -hmm. it would change their lives for the better. So first of all, tell me a little bit about that point of view, and then we'll talk about how this applies to story.
0: Well, that point of view is based on some of the experience that I've had in my life and how I found that if I had a certain situation in my life that was, uh, you know, occurring to me or that I was found myself in and I wanted to change it, but no matter what I seemed to physically do or talk about or push people or whatever, it never changed. And then when I did something different and I changed inside of me, my attitude or my view of my situation, then the outside changed. So it's like, okay, this is really cool. So if I want something different to happen, I have to think about it differently. I'll give you an example. And this is a real life, one of the real life- I was just gonna
2: say, tell me a story about that. (laughs) Okay. Oh,
0: as a young engineering student going to this college and trying to take all these Complex engineering classes, they always said, okay, there's 10 classes you can take, but there's one or two that you must take in order to get your engineering degree. All right. So when I found the must take one, <laughs> boy, was it a toughie. Uh, my friends who were ahead of me by a semester or two said, you know what? You might as well plan on taking this over because it's going to happen to you. This guy's really tough, mathematics out the kazoo. You're just going to be overwhelmed. So you might as well forget about getting through it first time and you'll flunk it or get a D, and you're going to have to go back and do it again. So I was already kind of struggling with my classes as it was. And I said, oh, man, so the first day of his class, I went in and for sure the guy was tough. He wrote up equations on the board. He said, all right, this is what you're going to do. And this is what I want. And blah, blah, blah. It just went over my head. And I left that day, that class and I said, man. This is going to be tough. So rather than give up and just quit, I said, you know what? Since I'm going to screw this up anyway, let's have fun with this. Let's just pretend that you're the best student there is, that you know all the stuff already, or if you don't know, you could ask and find out, and go in there with the attitude that, hey, you know what? I'm going to work on this and ask questions, to sit up front, and take notes. So I just convinced myself internally. I'm going to set aside that part of me that's scared to death of this guy and put in place this pseudo uh, virtual guy that's (laughs) really a top student and he knows what he's doing. And and so I went in there and I started behaving that way. I'm of the class, raised my hand, which I never did before. I was always in the back trying to avoid him calling me to answer the question. Instead, I volunteered. And even if I gave the wrong answer, he said, okay, well then try this. So it reduced my fear. Uh It made all of those preconceived things that I was afraid of go away. So what I really did was I convinced myself by continuing to repeat this process, I am a good student. I know what I'm doing. And here's the book. So I went through in detail because that's what an expert does. That's right. That's what a top A, class A student does. He goes through things in detail. You know what? I found mistakes in the book he gave me. what <laughs> so him out and say, hey, look at this. This is wrong. And this is the way it should work. And I proved it to him. He gave me more points. I ended up acing that class, A+++, plus plus plus. fast, above all my friends. I couldn't believe it. Wow. What so, a great story. Yeah. And the lesson I learned from that was, if you find yourself in a situation that ah, you know, you'd know you rather have a different outcome and you don't know what to do, you've got to look inside first. You've yeah. got to change the way you look at it, change the way you see it, change the way you talk about it, mm. and do that until it becomes a habit, until it becomes like you're living as if. I am a top student, so you behave that way. Wow. And I'll tell you, it changes your behavior. It changes people's attitude toward you. I have people coming up to me and asking. How would you do that? How'd you answer those questions? They always ignored me before. I don't ask them. (laughs) Talking about. But then I was all of a sudden
2: the expert. So, yeah, that's what I I can't help but think of how that experience was for the teacher (laughs) to have someone so engaged. Yeah. It sounds, I just get a feeling from the, and just through your telling that he probably, really liked having you as a student, (laughs) that he might have found, Uh, like that you weren't afraid to engage with him, that you were really interested enough to find errors in the textbook.
0: Yeah. And he found fewer hate notes on his desk at the end of the day.
2: (laughs) 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 Made him feel good too. I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a teacher where every student is dreading your class and is yeah, a terrified I know. Of you. I know. It's probably not very much fun. <laughs> no. It's like going to the dentist, you know? Right. Sometimes
0: dentists have this fear that their patients hate them because it causes a little bit of pain or shit. Right.
2: Right.
0: Can't be helped. You gotta go through the process. So
2: yeah, so that's an example. So that makes me think too of the other thing that you said about how Storytelling can change your life. And it's really interesting. It's like that's an example of a story you tell yourself.
0: Yeah. I think uh, the way storytelling affects other people's lives is if they incorporate the learning from the story. Uh, mm-hmm. The hero's journey, for example. Mm-hmm. Here's the object he's got to overcome. Here's the bad guy he's got to defeat. Here's the goal he wants to get to, but he can't get there directly. But he learns that if he does it a different way or finds this ally to give him the extra knowledge or extra understanding of how to get there. So if you teach that process through storytelling, then people will think about it. They'll say, yeah, my hero, uh, Gerald the Great, overcame his fears by writing down his fears and then wadding him up and burning it in the fire of uh, life. <laughs> and the wizard told him, have confidence because it comes from within you. And here's your confidence shield sword to carry and forward and you'll conquer. So people hear that. And if they treat it as a metaphor so that they can apply that to their life. Yeah. That's the other way to do it too.
2: Yeah. And that's such a good point, right? Because your first story that you told was very direct, not based on metaphor, but based on actual circumstance and showing definitely a hero's journey though, right? (laughs) With with all the right ingredients. And then the other example was more metaphorical. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious, what other, I guess, how do you experience them as a storyteller differently? Tell me some of the things you like about telling an on-the-nose story and some things you like about using metaphor.
0: Well, what I like about it is it is a challenge as an author to weave in some of these points of wisdom. For example, in a new book I have coming out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do tell us, does it have a title?
0: <laughs> yes, it does.
2: <laughs> Might that title be?
0: <laughs> it's called The Pen, of course, because it's oh, the second yeah. book in the series. My Templar Treasure. Ah, okay. And I actually, I have a few of the books out. Oh, look at that. Beautiful. Yeah. So there's the antique store. Uh huh. Blue door instead this time. And one of the points of wisdom in there is so you think always seems to turn out to be the way it is. So if you want things to change, I want things to change, I have to think of things in a different way. So it's restating some wisdom other people have had for a number of years. But I applied this to the situation of one of the characters in there. They were really mad that they were in this particular situation. And they couldn't seem to do anything to make it change because they viewed it in a certain way. So this taught in the story from one of his mentors. Like, well, you, you think it's that way? Can you think of it a different way? And so he, you know, what? <laughs> so he thought he would try it, had and nothing to lose. Thought about it in a different way. And it turned out that when he did that, his behavior changed. And what he did was different than what he'd ever thought about doing before. And it made his circumstance change. So it's the challenge of weaving those in to the story mm-hmm. so that the person follows the story. And they don't know it, but I'm teaching them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slip right well, into that.
2: Surprise. best kind, right? When they don't know yeah. they're being taught because it's not as much fun to read a novel where it's like noun, now, it, now mm-hmm. this point, you know.
0: yeah.
2: point one, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <up> two. <laughs> you know, it's a didactic novel, right? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I was, I was thinking of another question as I was listening to you because you know when we talk about seeing a situation differently seeing yourself differently and mm-hmm. rewriting your own story. Yeah. And gosh, I hope I can remember what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep talking. It'll
0: come to you. You know, we'll with brain cells. Oh, south. it's one of those days. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Really? Needed another cup of coffee, maybe. Oh. <laughs> but, oh, yes, I know what it was. I wanted to get a little bit deeper into your story from school because I would imagine, you know, no hero's journey is complete. Without extra obstacles. And often the biggest obstacle is the hero himself. So, and I know too, when you get in a certain pattern of thought, it's not just like you just decide to think different, right? (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about how did you, like maybe when you (laughs) might have noticed some of your old patterns coming forward, your own thinking, and maybe a little bit about how you dealt with those. Well,
0: I was very successful in that class, and yay! Then I forgot about it and went on, which was unfortunate because I didn't learned the lesson, right? <laughs> and then, so
2: you only applied it to the one class? That's right. This is all we <laughs> need to do to get through this class
0: so I get my degree and get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I compartmentalized that way because mm. as a child, I was in a military family. So every two or three years, pack up, leave town, mm. find new friends. Mm. So I had to compartmentalize what I thought about things. And so that was a habit I carried on. I'm realizing now that this change from within, because I've been studying it now for in more intently like, for the last three or four years, maybe with my wife and I, we were going through a uh, master key system, which was written back in 1912 sometime. And it talks about a lot of this stuff, but he teaches it to you in a, the way they used to write in 1912, you know, very complex, big paragraph, one sentence. Right. (laughs) Yeah, literally, we had to go, wait a minute, what was it he's trying to say? Let's break it down so we can understand now in today's way of reading. Anyway, so in my younger days, before I learned that there's really something there, it all came about somewhat naturally, self-confidence, understanding that I don't like that anymore. So why should I do it? And when I was really young, that got me in trouble. When I was older, it helped me make decisions so that I didn't have to conform. Of course, I have to pay my taxes. Otherwise i go to jail. So I have to conform there. But other than that, <laughs> so subconsciously, I wasn't really aware that I was applying these life lessons. Later in my life, when I started studying about how you think and why things turn out the way they do and how you can change your circumstances. I started realizing when I was doing kind of naturally really was an ability everybody has. Mm -hmm. Um, When I got another story for you here, if you got a few minutes, please. Yeah. I'm divorced or was divorced, not anymore. Married to a beautiful woman and married about five years this October. And when I got divorced, I really had to rediscover who I was because my marriage was one of these that got down to the point where I had to walk on eggshells not to upset the cart Mm -hmm. until we both decided, you know what? This is not going to work. We're drifting more and more apart. So we decided to go our separate ways. Good thing we did because we didn't get to the point where we hated each other and started sabotaging each other's lives. We said, no, let's stop. Mm -hmm. So in the process of self-discovery, Okay, I used to like to write because I wasn't doing much writing then. I used to like to do this or do that. One thing I always wanted to do was when I was a small child, I had been involved in acting. My parents were involved in uh, local theater for just part-time type of stuff. And then I did a little bit in um, college and high school, just little stuff. I said, you know what? I always wanted to find out if I could really act. Where do you go? Hollywood. Uh Uh-huh so
2: wow you do not that's the (laughs) right
0: yeah i made a decision 64 years old off to hollywood i went and i decided you know what i'm gonna go and try this out i know that there's ways of doing this you can get your toe wet by becoming what they call an extra on Mm -hmm. set Mm -hmm. and the only thing it costs you is time a little bit of money to get your name out there and find out what opportunities you had so i did that there's a lot of stories there but i'll just bottom line it. And I decided I'm gonna be an actor. So I got involved. I went down to this um, place that lists everybody availability and who they are in a profile. As soon as I finished that, I walked out and I got a phone call from this people that I had listed my name for and what I was doing. They said, how'd you like to be on Gray's Anatomy? I- really?
2: <laughs>
0: really? <laughs> yeah, show up at 4 a.m. tomorrow morning at this address. All right, I'll be there. And so uh You know, lack of sleep and all that. I showed up. It was great. I learned a lot from it. And I got two or three of those gigs on uh, Grey's Anatomy as an expert, you know, walking around with my robe on or my doctor's (laughs) scope or laying there as a patient, you know. I I even got to be a detective. It was really cool. I said, I'm going to get into a more prominent role. I kept telling myself this in my head. And pretty soon they say, okay, you're going to be a detective. Really? Yeah. Here's your gun. Here's your badge. Here's what you do. You walk over there and walk over here. And you're going to be outside as they bring this guy in handcuffs down. You're going to put him in the car. And you're going to drive the car off the set. Okay. I said, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was there, you know, looking like a badass detective. Sorry for the language. Bad detective. And, <laughs> and they brought the guy down. The flags were flashing. And I put him in the car. And I got in, turned on the lights. And then and drove off. I said, great. I got to tell my kids. So I called my kids up later. Say, hey, I'm on Grey's Anatomy on this time at this season. Watch for it. So they did. I didn't show up. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's so why I said, really? Are you sure? So I went and looked at it. They cut everything out. Ah. Everything. Out, everything. Cut so your- the top of my head and the back, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's showbiz. <laughs> yeah.
0: But what was good for me was it got me out of my shell of uh, being squeezed in to only be this one personality right right and uh shortly after those extras i got involved in actually acting in three uh, movies they were more student movies than anything else but i had i had a role i had an opportunity to speak i had a character and that was really good for me because it, it allowed me to expand and i got more and more confident. Hey you know, I can do this. But it was like 10 hours of looking for a next gig. And Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. another and two three hours. Oh, It was yeah. stressful. Yeah. But the thing that it proved to me is if I can put in my head what I want to be and what I want to do and just go for it. Don't worry about you don't know what you're doing. Don't worry about you don't know what to do. It'll come to you. You'll get guidance. Yeah, it did. So I've been living by that premise ever since that's how i met my
2: wife oh yeah tell us oh that one
0: (laughs) the way i met my wife was i was down there in hollywood working my tail off be polite (laughs) and i said all right how old am i 65 68 okay are you gonna do this forever or yeah i know this is fun get a little bit of money but you're not going to get discovered, okay? It's just- <laughs> and so, okay, well, I think I'll stop this gig for now. And uh, I was getting a little lonely. So I wanted to find a legitimate relationship because, yeah, you can find them in Hollywood and other places, but they're kind of like here today, gone tomorrow. It's not that somebody really wants to be with you. I mean, full time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay. I'm going to go back to, my parents lived in Utah, Southern mm-hmm. Utah. And my mother was there surviving my father. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go back there because there are more wholesome people there than there are down in Hollywood, mm. in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a real interesting mix, let's say. Yes. So I had a better chance of meeting a really nice woman if I changed my environment. So I would. I came back here determined to do that. And I met my wife at a dance. Oh, nice. And there she was sitting by herself. Nobody was asking her to dance. I looked around and said, what's going on? Nobody. So I went over there and asked her. And there she was. She was great, stood up, danced with me. She put her head on my shoulders. And I went, Ah, I'm looking for (laughs) said, Put her head up and said, did I do that? I said, yes, you did. And you can do it again. (laughs) 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 And so uh, from that day forth, we became friends and she did some more travel and so did i but we kept in touch and then um i traveled some more down to arizona unbeknownst to me she did too and one of these days and my heart my head said no go back go back there to southern utah so i got back on the road with my rv because i was doing this in full-time living in an rv and i called her up and text her hey what are you doing oh i'm heading back to southern utah really me too <laughs> <laughs> when you going? I'm going now. I said, really? Me too. Throwed you on on this one. I said, yeah, me too. Same time, same day, couple oh, hours wow. apart. So we got to back together again, and uh, and we met up. And she was starting to date this other guy at a dance, and I showed up at dance. Oh, and she started dancing with me, and that guy was out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you had that inner urging, like go yeah. now. Yeah. Right. She like per- if you waited a couple of weeks, she might've been too far down the road with this other dude. That's right. And she told me later that
0: she had the same motivation, same intuition. Oh, go see this guy, go dance. You know? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, somebody wanted to get us together. Let's just go ahead and make it permanent. Okay. <laughs> That is so, I oh, love it. it was a, and, uh, we're very much in love and have been, and we'll probably, not probably, we will always be.
2: <laughs> Remember, this is going to be a public podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we're so confident in it. We made a
0: podcast called "Quirky and Dennis Love Happens. Oh, and that's nice. our podcast. Oh, and good we're just Kind of, hey, what'd you do today? Okay, they did this. Oh, this is the lesson we learned. This is how a relationship works. And this is what you don't do and what you do do to make it come together. Oh, so that's what it's all about. Yeah. I'm happy to share our experiences.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that. And, you know, that's such a great illustration of the synergy that sometimes this is where people sometimes say, you know, truth is stranger than fiction, right? Or like, if you put that in a book, I might be like, oh, come on. <laughs> I know. I know. Until you experience it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why I went, wait a minute. There's more going on to this than I realized because of my past experiences and this experience and others we've both had now going forward, mm-hmm. that we've really put a study into why does this happen? What's going on is something. It's a gift, actually. We all have it. It's mm-hmm. all inside of us. It's just not unwrapped in some people. Mm-hmm. Some people in their life have experienced it a little bit here, but then they put it under the wraps because they treat it as kind of like, oh yeah, okay. But when you unwrap it and you start looking at what you can do with this, because it's a gift, it's something we all can use. And it's not cheating or stealing or anything. Mm-hmm. It is something that we're innately born with.
2: Mm-hmm. Now when
0: you understand that you have this ability, that's when you understand that you can apply this to what you want in your life and how you want your life to be, it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And there's various tools out there. People talk about vision boards or declarations and things like that. Yeah, those are methods. Those are tools. But there's more to it than just repeating a mantra. There's, there's more to it than just putting a picture on the wall. Those are all, I call them aids because they're just tip of really what's going on.
2: Mm. We'll say more.
0: okay, I've realized that there's two ways the world works for people. You're conscious, the awake time when you're walking around supposedly awake. (laughs) (laughs) And you touch and feel and, and you have things occur in your life. Then there's the subconscious part, which never sleeps. It's always going all the time. And that's where your experiences get resonant and you connect them together to create Patterns of behavior, habits. Like, for example, in your conscious time, and you held a nail with a hammer, and you kind of didn't hold it right, and he hit your thumb, that's an experience of pain. So, your subconscious says, holding the hammer nail with your fingers is not a good idea because you'll experience pain. So, next time you grab that hammer and that nail, you immediately remember that lesson because it's buried now. In a habit in your, in your subconscious, it doesn't go away until and you can't change it, but that's another story. <laughs> so anyway, you form this layers of habits and it goes way, 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 way deep, way, way, way back from the time you could consciously open your eyes and stand up. And some of it is put in by your experience and some of it is put in by others giving you advice or telling you what to do, that you believe in them. So you adapt it as your own behavior. Like you should always wash your hands for dinner, or you should always be truthful about things with your friends and things of that nature. So it's where your habits reside. Because some of those habits become beliefs. And when they become beliefs, they're very strong and form your opinion of the way you should behave. So if your belief is formed incorrectly, either by you or by your experience, your behavior, which affects your outcome, will be different. And this is why, in my experience going to that college thing, my first experience was, my behavior was, my habit was, avoidance. Hunker down. Don't get involved. Stay safe. When I went and violated that, went completely around that, said, you know what? Tag with it. I'm going to try this new path. And I built that new path because it starts small first. It's weak. I tell you, go over and over and over and over. And then it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And tends to dominate the other one. The other one tends to fade away. It doesn't completely go away until you do lots of other things. So the dominant one now takes place so that any experience you have in your life goes down that dominant path now. And that dominant path causes you to make decisions, which causes you to make a behavior which causes a different outcome. So that's what makes your life is your behavior, your decisions that you make and your actions that you take. And those are all based on those little belief systems mm-hmm. that are built in your subconscious. So when I learned that, and I learned that, okay, if I have a belief that I've heard since I was a kid, money doesn't grow on trees, you can't write, nobody wants to read your stuff, or you're not good enough to do this. And you know, all that was built from childhood. But that's eight year old or 12 year old behavior pattern that I didn't change. Your subconscious doesn't know dates, doesn't know times, doesn't know right, right, whether you're 12 now or 12 a long time ago, it's still the same behavior. So when I realized that, and I said, you know what? Money does grow on trees because you do this, this, and this, you'll make some money, or you can sell stuff and make money. Opportunities are there, in other words. Mm -hmm. It's not as rare as you were told when you were young. Right. And um, So when I changed that behavior, I started doing a lot of other things. And that resulted in a lot of benefit to me. So the the point of all of this was that within each of us, we have these patterns and these behaviors that have been established. And if we want to change the result of what those behaviors do to make a different outcome, and you have to start from a different outcome and work backwards, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, because it's the subconscious is based on experience, but it calls experience, because it doesn't have eyes or ears. It takes everything from the consciousness. So if your consciousness says, I have this experience, I'm going to remember it for a lesson, it filters down to your subconscious and becomes a belief. So if you can create an experience, here's the way it works. Experience occurs because you visually see it, or you hear it, or you talk about it, or you feel it. Those create experiences and experiences is what goes into your subconscious. And if it's done often enough, it gets established as a belief. So let's say your experience is that, that you've always had a broken down car. And that's always the way it's going to be because you're poor and you're stupid and can't get anything else. That's your life right now. It's around you here's your old junk car. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you don't even think about changing it. So to change that outcome, to change the way that is, you start thinking in your mind, what kind of car would I like to have if I had a good car? What would it be like? Where's a picture of it in the magazine? What color is it going to be? How would it feel if I touched it? And if I close my eyes, what would it feel like if I was driving it? so now you're creating even though it's imaginary you're creating a new experience a touch experience a smell experience an experience of feeling about how good would it make me feel Mm -hmm. those things you can create with your conscious mind and if you do it often enough then the subconscious doesn't know whether that really happened or whether you just created it. Because all it does is get it from the conscious. It can't see or feel a touch. It just gets that experience. And if you design it yourself, uh, that's the way I did that class. I believe my outcome in that class, I was going to be a top student. People would come up to me and ask me questions about it. I'd get an A+. Plus. That's the way I saw it in my mind. That's the way I talked to myself about it. That's the way I wrote down about it. My subconscious didn't know any different.
2: Right.
0: Okay? <laughs> So that's the way you make that change happen.
2: That's yeah. the
0: way it develops in you. And it's not easy because it requires consistency. It requires throwing out all doubt mm-hmm. and putting in place a belief. And the one extra step people don't really realize is you behave as if you already have that car. Yes. You behave as if, oh, here's the keys. I know cars sitting out in my driveway. And you feel that it's out there. And so you start behaving as if you've already got it. It's already done. And you feel good about it. Mm. That's what puts it down and makes it move forward. Because people say, oh, you're manifesting. Well, okay. Here's a better word than that. Manifesting has been used in magic tricks and all of this type of woo-woo stuff. What you're actually doing is... Because you're imagining this and creating all of this, your behavior changes. Mm-hmm. When your behavior changes, people react to you differently. People see you differently. Mm-hmm. People are around you and they feel differently being around you. So now they treat you better or give you more connections. Like if I start thinking about this car and dreaming about it, and feeling about it, telling my friends about this car I'm gonna get, one of them will say, hey. I know Bob down at the car dealership. He had this car come in and he wants to sell it really quick to brag about it. Why don't you go talk to him? And you go down there and there it is. There it is. (laughs) Right. There it is. Yep. I'll give you a, a spine chilling truth to this. Oh, please. The book, The Pen, the first one, The Sultan's Wisdom, the main character, Harold, has his room that he goes to to write and everything. And in his room, not only does he has a big old chair and stuff, he has this roll-top desk that he pulls up, sits at it, and he writes, okay? So I wrote the book and everything, and then said to my wife, you know, I know what that roll-top desk looks like. I'd really like to have one. Really? Yeah. So we went down to this, the same day, we went down to this store that collects old furniture, and there it was. Oh, wow. It was there. <laughs> and here in my head went, Whoa! Oh, I had to buy it. I bought it. We took it yes,
2: off. of course. <laughs> Don't, you know, this is a gift horse, right? Whoa. What a thrill. So oh, wow, Exciting. I
0: know it mm-hmm. sounds fantastic. Okay. But if people start with smaller things, little games, little experiences, pretty soon the subconscious says, oh, that was a good experience. I want another one yeah And then the experiences can get a, a little bit bigger. Oh, and another one. a little bit bigger. And then you gain more confidence, right, right? Yeah. This process right. does work. Yeah. yeah. So people use vision boards and declarations, all that. Okay, those are words of processes people use, and it's like a tool in your toolbox. If it works for you. Good. Like yeah. this book here, I put up a picture of this on the wall. I said, "I'm going to publish this. It's going to be the
2: second book out. There it is. And well, I think if you are going to do visuals, if you can also get emotionally involved with, with the imagery, sometimes it can help, especially for people who have trouble picturing things in their mind without a cue, you know? Yes. The emotional part of it is the fuel. Yeah. That just lights the fire and makes it wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Dennis, I just have to say, I think the way that you just articulated this whole interplay between the subconscious and the conscious mind was one of the best I've ever heard. (laughs) And I, you know, I've studied this stuff for years myself, but I really want to just compliment you because I think you just made it so clear and so simple. And even though I have heard some of these ideas before, I learned new things. Wow. I want to thank you for sharing about this. Oh, you're welcome. And if it's okay, I want to tell you a quick story because of the first hand experience I had with this just recently. So I had had a pug named Elway for 15 years and he passed away Mm -hmm. on November 10th of Mm 2021, And It was actually a beautiful moment. He died in my arms while I was holding him and I held him through his last breath. And it was really actually one of the most beautiful moments, sad, but beautiful moments of my life. And a couple months, I started to think about, I really can't live without a pug. (laughs) (laughs) So I started to do a little research into breeders and stuff. And I looked at the AKC website and I came across the name of a breeder, and I just had a feeling. I was like, I think that's the breeder I'm going to get the dog from. Yeah. But I looked, and she didn't have any puppies available at the time. And so I kept looking, you know, reached out to other breeders and kept looking. And one Saturday morning, I'm just sitting there having my coffee, and something said, call her now. Hmm. hmm. So- and I've learned <laughs> <laughs> that you listen to that. Yes. So I got up and I found her number and I called her right away. I'm still in my bathrobe, you know, <laughs> I haven't even gotten. And it goes to voicemail. So I leave a message and I just say, I'm interested in a pug. I don't know if you have any. She calls me back like 30 minutes later and she said, All my puppies were sold until about a half an hour ago. Whoa. Whoa. And I had a woman who wanted to buy a dog, but she insisted on that I meet her on the highway somewhere to give her the dog. Huh. And I said, I will not. You will come to my house and meet me before you get the dog or you don't get the dog. Mm-hmm. And so they went back and forth and she said, you know what? I'm going to send you your deposit back. You're not getting the dog. <laughs> she hung up the phone and she had a voice message from me. Oh, wow. She called me right away. And she goes, look, I've got a waiting list for this dog. But because we had talked a little bit more and she liked me. She goes, look, I got a waiting list a mile long, but if you want this puppy, you can have her. Oh, sweet. Oh. And I said, yes. And I went and picked her up on New Year's day of 2022. But what I, oh, I'm sorry. I have the years backwards. It was 2020 and then 2021. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in the, You know, That's you don't go it. anywhere anymore. You can't tell what. <laughs> anyway. So I go pick her up and I find out her birthday was November 11th. No nope. kid. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. Her, oh, actually, I have it wrong. His last full day of life was her first full day of life. So he died early in the morning on the 11th. That's what it was. And she Uh, was born on the 11th. So, yeah, it was like, yeah. Anyway, so that's, That's yeah. And, but it comes down to listening to that inner push Mm. do it now. Like when you went back to Utah. Yeah. If I had waited an hour, she would have been into that wait list and that dog would have been gone.
0: Yeah, that is important to listen to that intuition. It's critical. My wife is particularly sensitive to that. We were traveling across country, went across the Rocky Mountains. And as we got into the Rocky Mountains, there's a big storm building up. And we got up right on the other side of it. Storm hadn't hit yet. And the other side goes down into the plains. She woke me up at two in the morning and said, we got to get in the car now. (laughs) (laughs) yes i've been pushed that we have to go now okay let's go now so we're cold and got out got in the car and as we're driving out of the parking lot of the hotel snow started coming down wow yep (laughs) i dropped it and as we drove away we could see behind the mirror this big cloud coming over yeah i tell you you gotta listen to those voices they're Mm. important
2: yeah Yeah. And really they're firm, but they're not loud. So no, they're not loud. Yeah. You got to pay attention.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You got to keep that ear open. Yeah. If it's insistent, uh, okay. There's something
2: behind this. It's not just my imagination. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Dennis, this has been such a blessing and I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing your stories and your wisdom here on Ah. the (laughs) corner. Well, if you
0: ever want to talk some more, you know where I am. (laughs) You got it.
1: (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.